Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Okay, I need to just read you this headline that just buzzed on my phone. Live, 150 goats fighting climate change in Houston. (laughs) Welcome to Crush the Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Kirsten Lyons, and I'm joined by my cousin and co-host, Aaron Raderstorff. Guys, get ready. This is, I I didn't even tell Aaron yet, but um, Shannon, we're going to do a first for your episode. You're going to be on for the intro to your podcast because Aaron moves <laughs> next week and we're not going to have time to record the intro. But Shannon, usually for these podcasts, we say we record it usually the next week or even like two or three weeks later from when we record it. And we talk mm-hmm. about how wonder, you know, the things we learned from the podcast mm-hmm. and how great it was. We have no idea. You could tell us crap, but we're going to pretend like you told us the most wisdom filled stuff ever. So Shannon, seriously, Aaron, didn't you love what Shannon had to say? Wasn't it? It was just, it was so honest and she was so vulnerable the whole time, you you know? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. That one story she told hilarious. Oh my gosh. About, was it, was it about the hedgehog and the rooster? Yeah. I couldn't, you know, you never think a hedgehog and a rooster is going to, are going to be friends. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it just works out that way. Yes. And Shannon, just thank you. Just, just, Guys, thanks to Shannon. You're going to love this episode. You're going to laugh. You're going to cry. Hey, by the way, the reason I even thought of a hedgehog is because I don't know if we've shared this, but Aaron gave me, Aaron's given me gifts that make me cry. And she gave me a gift of Hedgehog Ridge, which is the setting for my Christmas movie that I wrote that is currently being um, possibly, I don't know, something might happen with it. And it was, but it was like weeks ago, I was weeks ago when just stuff was rough guys stuff was rough and I just I'm drinking coffee this is my third cup of the day well I'm, you should it's not I, gonna go well after this I'm can we mention have one egg. of the one of the main things in the in the movie is a coffee shop and so I was yeah the like, whole the, it, it all circles smart. around coffee yeah. great gift great gift personalized you thought can it you tell through. can you love tell it. gift giving is my love language like, look at <laughs> it's, it's my love language too it's she just she nailed it knocked she it knocked out of the, out the park. park she said she goes I want this to be your thing so we didn't talk while I opened it and I was with Loic and I almost started to cry and almost dropped the mug the mug on some <laughs> rocks outside our house so everything's fine it's safe Shannon yes. I literally haven't stopped all day we have two edits due for this project we've been working on I had to go to Target I had to pick Loic up I just put it down for now I have no idea what I'm about to read Just so you know, I don't know what your crush story is. I don't know what your bio is. I know who you are. We'll see what happens. Sorry. Oh, wait, before we even go further, Shannon, what do you co-host with one of like, like the OG of Crush the Podcast? Yeah, absolutely. So my co-host is Marcia Lane McGee and we co-host podcast. What? Yes. You might know her. You might know her. You might know her (laughs) from things such as constantly being on our podcast. <laughs> yes. But she's got great stories. Like every time you've had her on, I'm like, you needed to have her on for this. So it makes sense. Yeah. So I co-host the, the podcast plaid skirts and basic black. It is a black Catholic podcast where we talk about faith, culture, and pop culture all through a black Catholic lens. Can you tell that I've done that tagline a few times in my yes. life? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. So now everybody yes. knows who Shannon is, even though so, we will introduce her too, but Aaron, tell us, the, tell us the there tale. Is this phenomenon taking the internet by storm and, and I'll, I'm going to relate it back to something. And it's basically this idea of, um, 
there is a certain level of famous that you can be. And this is all in relation to a shoe. This idea is sort of, you have a shoe. If a normal person wears a shoe and go, so sorry, normal meaning non-famous. If a normal yes. person wears a shoe, a civilian, if you will. a civilian, yes, mm-hmm. it loses value. If a famous person wears a shoe and tries to sell it, it gains value. But there is a certain level of famous that you can be in which the shoe's value does not change. And so the, the discussion that's happening mm-hmm. on the internet is sort of like, what level of famous? It Like, what, what kind of famous person is that? But what I was thinking was, in LA, there is a certain level of, there's a weird dynamic about pretty in which you are not too pretty to threaten the other pretty people at a club, but you're not not pretty enough to get in there's like a certain mm-hmm. level of average mm-hmm. pretty yes I feel like I do so well in LA because I'm right <laughs> at that average level. sweet spot I'm right in that sweet spot I'm not threatening but I'm not hard to look at you know you know what I like about Erin this is right after she posted a hot ass picture of herself on Instagram but you know what's so funny last that night Aaron, that Claire wait Claire McCallan another Crush the podcast guest star mm-hmm, of, mm-hmm. of of your I don't even know whatever. Uh, also put up in her stories because that's how hot it was. Mm-hmm. Three different guys last night pushed past me to get to my friends, <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if it's because my dance moves are too intimidating. Like I don't know what's happening, but I figured out which kind of celebrity is in that sweet spot. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you watch Bravo shows, do you watch Bravo shows, Shannon? On like the Real Housewives shows, not the main housewife, but like mm-hmm. almost like the B-list housewives are called friends of. And I'm like, a friend of is exactly <laughs> in that level where that shoe's value would not change. What is the value if, no, well, some guy, some TikTok star. Are you saying hypothetically or like a specific TikTok No, star? no. Oh. He murdered his wife. It, hold on. Let me find, it's such a weird thing. He literally said, I, it doesn't matter. I can get away with anything because I'm gin jam. And I was like, what? I'm not on that side of TikTok. Well, it was on a, it was like in people or something, you know, me and people, mm. people that come. I won't include that because murder is not good. Mm. Except if we're listening to not a really murder our, podcast. Not really our brand, I would say. <laughs> I don't know. We do talk about murder podcasts and like murder. I mean, uh, but I love a serial killer show, if I'm being honest. <laughs> love. Um, I went, as you guys love, went on a deep Hallmark movie deep dive. Like mm. I was I was in a stressful time and I was like this. Is, and that's, um, I just watched The Spirit of Christmas. Uh, what a, what a, what a movie. <laughs> Who was in it? Anybody we know? Uh, I don't know. So were they the maybe one... on a 90s show? <laughs> maybe. It was the one about, she's of course a big city lawyer. She's coming to the inn to shut it down. Of course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The week between like the 10 days leading up to Christmas Mm -hmm. this ghost becomes a human again and he can only live inside the bounds of the inn and they have to figure out why and how to and yeah and they fall in love and love it oh the spirit of Christmas yeah the spirit yes he is wait the the ghost and the girl fall in love Uh uh-huh uh-huh he's real but he's like 100 years old but he's like you know 35 and hot like (laughs) Because that's how it is. That's what I, I um, want the maturity of a hundred year old, but the yes. body of a 35 year old. <laughs> I hear rumors that we might do a crossover live event with you yes, guys we, about we, Hallmark Christmas movies. We were just talking about 
making this happen. So um, I think we can officially announce that because it's going to it's going to go down. It's going to go down. It's going to be a crossover podcast event. Hallmark Christmas movies. So excited. So great. I can't wait. So Ellis got into Hallmark movies when we were living with Jenny. We would like cozy up. She calls it what does she mark? snuggle down, right? We call it cuddle up or get cozy. And your mom calls it snuggle down. Anyway, so she's, but she, her biggest thing is the, is it the princess switch? Vanessa Hudgens? Oh, probably. Mm-hmm. Drop that the sounds- Anne. Vanessa yeah, Ann, drop it. Because mm-hmm. she's Gabriella in yeah. high school musical. Yeah. So duh. Yeah. Those are her favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, Bradley and I actually had a podcast for a little bit where we would just dissect Christmas movies. It was so funny. Oh I loved it. I would pay I would big money for Is you guys. still in the archive? Like, can I still? Yeah, I think it was. Well, so we originally, we had like a show that dissected commercials. Our favorite was a Cialis commercial. It was one of the so best good. things ever. And then we had, and then we started, and then I had this idea actually because, and then we'll go the Christmas Prince Netflix put out a uh, tweet almost on a text message and it was one of the funniest things I've ever read it's like we've had 16 subscribers that's watched this every day since it's dropped who hurt you who hurt you <laughs> <laughs> and I was like oh, this is so bad but it's so amazing <laughs> anyway um speaking of getting hurt and crushed coming up Shannon <laughs> yeah <laughs> Is it Schmidt? It is. Okay. It is. What else? Yeah. Would it, how it's else a lot of shushing, though. It's like Shannon Schmidt. Shannon Schmidt. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Shannon Schmidt is a biracial woman trying to figure out life and faith while working as a pastoral minister. She's the co-host of Plaid Skirts and Basic Black Podcast and author of the upcoming book, Fat Luther Slim Pickens, a Black Catholic celebration of faith, tradition, and diversity. Coming February 11th, 2022 from Ava Marie Press. I feel like that was a commercial. Shannon lives near Indianapolis with her husband, Eric, and their four children. Shannon. Welcome to Crush the Podcast, even though you've already been here for 21 minutes. Actually, I was five minutes late, so you've been here for 16 minutes. (laughs) Kirsten, is it it Ave Maria Press? It is Ave Maria Press. (laughs) You know what, guys? I'm tired. My son got up early. Ave Maria. Ave Maria. I was like, is it just a coincidence that this Catholic brand is Ava Maria? Guys, I'm a really good Catholic. I was proudest it for 10 years. Christy Miller Christian series. I thought I was supposed to get married at 21. Anyway. I mean, that happens in Catholic circles too. So yeah, but I wasn't privy to those circles. All my Catholic circles were like party people drunk. Oh, that's real. Hungover. Um, Okay. So Shannon, hi, welcome. I feel like because we've already chatted with you. I'm like, okay, what do we do now? I can ask her. I can ask her slumber party movie. Do it. Oh, okay. So what, when you were a kid and you would have a slumber party, what was your go-to slumber party movie? I loved a Mary-Kate and Ashley movie. Can't lie. Oh, what's your favorite one? You just Um, made Aaron's Day. I I love the the London one. What was that called? Winning oh London, gosh. winning London. Yes, I love like because I was kind of a nerd oh, who maybe. loved um, like I loved history and all of that, and so like them being in the like model UN debate, like I was like, yes, let's. And there were cute boys, and they were in England, and like Cutest who doesn't boys. love an English accent when they're a kid? Like unlike yeah. my Irish movie where it was two stupid Americans with no Irish accent. I'm still pissed about Ooh. it. I know that was like two episodes or last week's. Episode. It was an, I, I don't know. It was a movie that, that was based on a book and we talked about it in our live episode and I'm still bitter about it. Is it the one 
It just came um, out a while back. She's like an exchange student. and Yeah, she's like a, she's like a fiddle player or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But and nobody had any Irish accents. No. The people with the Irish accents are in there for like five minutes. It was disappointing. Yeah, they're, they're both American. <sighs> anyway, I'm so sorry. It's all right. I, I, I think I Irish accents are the best, probably because I am Irish. But like I like I could listen to that all day. Winning London. I really enjoyed So Little Time. Oh, that's a good TV one. series. Mm-hmm. Well, did they have mm-hmm. two TV series, right? Mm, I think just so little time. If anything, the one before them was the Undercover Mysteries, but I don't know if that was TV or straight to DVD. Yeah. Ellis got into the mysteries for a little while. Yeah. The trench coat twins, fun. and then yeah. she abandoned them, and I was sad. That's a great Halloween costume. Mm-hmm. <sighs> no, I take that back. No one's going to get the reference, and you're just going to be somebody weird in a trench coat. I think like that's not. <laughs> I remember we were at Disney and the girls were dressed up as Mia Thermopolis and her best friend. Yes. Oh but God. they were also like my age. It was so funny. Um, they, they looked great. They looked we so were Aaron and I, we were waiting in line to see a princess and we were freaking the F out and Ellis hadn't seen the movie yet. And she's like, uh-huh. And we're like, oh my gosh. It's so has, she great. It? has she seen it now? Oh yeah. 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 So when you were 12 years old, yes. did you want to live in a mansion apartment, a shack or a house? Yeah. So, um, I was thinking about this and like, I, I was shooting for the mansion. Right. But like, mm-hmm. I was okay with the house. Like I, <laughs> apparently I was a very practical 12 year old and like, you know, I, I grew up in a nice home. Like, but like, if you would have told me like apartment, I mean like, no, like that's, that's even, that's almost as bad as the shack. Right. Like, probably nowadays I'd be like, give me that nice apartment, like in a city where I have some access to green space, but I don't have to maintain a lawn. And like, I can call the, the super for a a problem. Like my toilet's out. Love apartment living. Truthfully. Like I love that they're like some apartments. My apartment doesn't has amenities. Like I like that there's a mail room. I like that. Like, like you said, I can just call somebody uh, I don't know. I, I like having that stuff readily. And I also just like the community aspect of it. Yeah. Where I, I love living here. We have yeah. green space everywhere. We have park and green space everywhere. I loved living in Brooklyn. And here we have amenities. Just I remember Justina talking about that. She's so Package jealous. Valet. Oh, trash we have valet. We have like trash a whole valet? clubhouse. What? Yeah, we have trash valet. <gasps> Someone comes That's to our amazing. Door. Like I do miss, we lived in a townhome in an apartment complex. So we had access to like the gym and all the stuff in the pool, mm-hmm. man, I miss that. I miss yeah. that. Yeah. And community. I can go see like the two women that work in our leasing office are my friends. I just go visit them and we have like shops and every it, it's, I'm not yeah. going to lie. It's amazing. My husband just texted and said, I'm back. Don't be scared. <laughs> <laughs> nice he's a nice guy <laughs> he knows because he one time I was in the shower and he came in and I he said I he was making a lot of noise and he scared I fell on the floor I was like, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay what did you want to be when you grew up yeah so I like never had a firm thing I wanted to be other than like I I loved sports I still love sports I still play like so I wanted to be an athlete but like I also knew I couldn't be an athlete forever so then there were like some vague plans about like Maybe I'll be a teacher, but also a singer, but also a writer. <laughs> like, so, like many of our guests, exactly. you wanted to be Barbie. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's funny because like I always when I was that age, I was, I was like when I'm grown up and I pictured myself grown up like in some sort of finance job in a power suit, but like a 90s power suit. Right. And like with blonde hair and like, I am dark, right? Like I have, I have olive skin. My hair is dark. My eyes are dark. I'm like, what, 
why would I have blonde hair? Were you maybe watching Hallmark movies? <laughs> maybe. 90s power blonde hair. matters. It's very <laughs> Diane Keaton, baby boom. Ooh. Yep. And I would say Hallmark is really coming to the occasion. I would like yep. to say the yep. past year to two years, we're really seeing a lot of representation, but my goodness, power suits with some sweet ass shoulder pads and some <laughs> fine ass blonde, blonde yeah. hair. Yes. Who did you want to marry? Uh, this is like deep confessions. I wanted to marry Taylor Hansen. Absolutely. Absolutely. I loved Hansen. Uh, I was like right in the sweet spot when they came out. I was like 12 or 13. My poor family. I played that album on repeat. <laughs> So often. The only song I know of them is that Mbop song. Yeah, that was their big one. They had a couple others that like got some play, but that was like the one. And then I just remember them on TRL and girls. I mean, it was like, you know, it was still in sync era level, but it was like just different, you know? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were younger too. Like they were mm -hmm. like young, young teenagers. Whereas like in sync, they were like, you know, in their twenties and, you know, which by the yeah. way, they're my favorite boy band. I know that this is an important thing. So thank you so much for saying that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, real quick, where did you want to live? <laughs> uh, where did I want to live? Um, I always wanted to live in Chicago. That was where I grew up in the, in the suburbs of Chicago. And I would like, I still love it. Like be, get me on the lake, give me that high rise apartment, which is funny. Cause like here I wanted, I said, I didn't want to live in an apartment. <laughs> Maybe I just wanted like the whole building to myself. <laughs> like, 12-year-old, it's a confusing yeah, exactly. time. Like it's just we want all, one thing, then we want the other. Thing. Um, I wanted to take the train into the city. Like here I am, like I'm living on the lakefront, but I'm also commuting on the train. <laughs> it's okay. Claire, one of our guests wanted a house on stilts in Washington, DC. Yeah. You know what I mean? We, yeah. So yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to like wear my power heels and walk through the streets in my black With your flowing blonde hair. Exactly. Flowing blonde hair. Um, okay. So real quick, do you live in a mansion? Do you mm-hmm. live in Chicago? Are you a, uh, a power suited teacher, <laughs> teacher writer, athlete, writer. Athlete? <laughs> and did you marry Taylor Hanson? Uh, I definitely did not marry Taylor Hanson. Uh, Aww, I a short Italian man who is not blonde at all. <laughs> my dream, <laughs> Aaron. Um, he did. He actually was my high school crush. Like the one that I would like Aww. walk a certain way in the hallway. The, oh yeah, like I will. When we talk about my song, I will talk about. <laughs> I want to know this so, story. Aaron's um, excited. I just love uh, it. He I, said, "I married a small Italian man," and Aaron goes, <laughs> "My dream." is she loves she loves it. it i mean i'm i'm happy so i can't i can recommend <laughs> it um, <laughs> oh that's funny because like i definitely have a type and my type is like the like tall chiseled tight end and yet i married a short <laughs> i have like a really interesting spectrum but anyone who would have fit in on jersey shore is oh, my <laughs> to a t Anyone that wears like a chain cross necklace tucked into it. Oh, okay. Okay. I have nothing to add to this conversation. Yes. Oh, I know the look immediately. It's the shirt under the shirt. Oh. (laughs) So um, let's see. I do not live in a mansion, although I do live in a nice, pretty large house. So like I was, I was realistic. Like I'm out there. I'm living in my house. Uh, We rent that house. We do not own it, but it's, it's been good. And then, um, 
I am not an athlete or a teacher. I work in a church as a pastoral minister. So I do adult. But you're publishing your first book. But I am a writer. <laughs> so, um, there we go. And if you would have asked me like, you know, when I was a, when I was actually a teenager, that probably would have been the thing I would have been like, well, that would be like the dream, like the dream. Aww. And so, um, you know, I was probably more interested in like being a novelist, but um, as my life has taken different paths, as it all has, you know, like this is not ever where I imagined myself to be. But like one of the things I love, my husband said this to me early when we were dating, because I was like, I'm like a super feminist. I was like, I have to have my own thing and my own dreams. And I remember saying to him, I said, like, I have dreams and I need to know that you're going to be okay with those. And like, you need to support me and whatever. And, and he looked at me and like, I'll never forget this. He doesn't even remember. He says this, but stuck with me. And he looked at me. He's like, I'm not asking you to give up your dreams. I'm asking you to make new dreams with me. And I was like, <laughs> like, and my husband is not like a sappy person at all. He's very like cynical and kind of uh, smarmy. Uh <laughs> I shouldn't say smarmy. Uh, he's is a he, smart, I almost, smart bottom. <laughs> I was about to be like, does he open a trench coat? And I meant more like to sell things. But then I realized going back to the trench coat. Just circle back to our <laughs> earlier trench coat discussion. That's no. what I So maybe guys don't go say. Halloween as a tre- trench coat. Twins. Don't go <laughs> as a trench coat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> does he sell? He's smarmy. Does he sell stolen goods is my question. <laughs> No, no. Although we do believe that his like great grandmother was like from a mob family. So that's this is so right (laughs) up my alley. This is the story and family history that I want. Like, okay, I got like, come, come to Indianapolis and I will actually come to Chicago because it's not over here, but I'll introduce you some people. All right. (laughs) Anyway, um, so I, yeah, I don't live in Chicago. I live in Indianapolis, which is not too far. Um, but I like it. Uh, I think there's, I just need you to me. know that this whole time I thought you lived in Chicago. Sorry, what? I thought you lived in Chicago the entire time we were friends <laughs> until right this minute. I was you like, but you live in Chicago. In Indianapolis. <laughs> nope. In I also places. know nothing about the Midwest. I'm very, I grew up on the East Coast. I lived yes. predominantly on the West Coast of the East. I've never lived in the middle. I don't know anything. I feel really bad about that. I mean, I, I feel like you. most people know where Chicago is and that's about it. Like, it's like there, it's on that lake and then that's the plains, right? So um, Indianapolis is like in the dead center of Indiana. It's about three hours south um, east of Chicago. And um, is it near Pawnee? Much- <laughs> um, actually, it's not too far from Muncie, which is like the um, Jerry's, Jerry's favorite, favorite place. I'm about an hour from Muncie. And um the town that inspired Eagleton is like the town now next to me. It's a uh, Carmel, Indiana. <laughs> and it's like, you, you would think that like the people riding around on segways and all that is like ridiculous. Not that ridiculous. <laughs> so as um, long as the spirit of little Sebastian rose yes, the halls, yes. of, uh, then I'm fine. I think there's still part of me that's always like, yep, I'm going back. I'm living on the lake. Um, but <laughs> love a good lake. Yeah, exactly. Um, but like, yeah, life has taken me in a lot of different di- directions. I lived in rural Indiana for a while, which was like the opposite of where I wanted to where, live. Where in Indiana? Um, it's a, in Marshall County, Indiana. So it's about an hour south of South Bend, which is where uh, 
uh, Notre Dame is. And it's about an hour east of Muncie. So uh, it's like, re- it's, it's, I have a ton of family from like Logansport. Like, yeah, yeah, we were cello. not. Yeah, we were not far from that at all. About an hour, so we're right in, right there. And uh, Notre Dame isn't in Chicago, is it? No, it's about an hour and a half. <laughs> Kirsten, what do you know about Chicago? Just tell us all of these assumptions that you've had. Um, Northwestern is there. <laughs> oh, okay. That's that's what I was thinking. It's close. I knew. Yeah. I knew that Northwestern was there because that's where Jonathan Taylor Thomas said he wanted to go to yes. college. <laughs> And I knew that Kanye is from there and Obama is from there. Yes. And the Chicago improv scene is very big. Yes. So fun story about all of those things. Okay. So my brother, my brother is a screenwriter and director and producer in Chicago. He's got a business there and he also teaches film um, at a couple places, but he just got hired as second city's film director. So like, that is like, super cool. Patrick Wimp. You can check him out. Follow him on Instagram at Wimp Juice. Like you remember the song? Stop it. That's (laughs) amazing. (laughs) Okay. So, um, and he, but he also did a video for Chance the Rapper, who's from Chicago. Oh yes. Chance three. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which is not Kanye, but we're close. And then, um, what was the other thing you said? Obama. Oh yes. So when I graduated from my master's degree, I have a master's degree in pastoral ministry the place where we had our graduation was across the street from the Obama's house. So I like went out from my cap and gown and I was looking at their front porch and I was like, I love you. I love you, Michelle Obama. <laughs> she came it. out in her J crew and she was just like, yeah. And we had like special rules cause they were actually in residence. So like the secret service was there oh, and wow. there were all these rules about like what we could and couldn't do. You just and held a like, sign up. You're like, yeah. I love you. And so in my head, that was like the Obamas saw me graduate. The Obamas <laughs> or they went to your graduation. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, you talked a lot about twists and turns. So I want to go back mm-hmm. to that because yes. I literally just looked at your, I didn't even look at the full thing. I just looked mm-hmm. at literally the first sentence and I was like, Oh, okay. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about this. We're gonna, throw we're gonna talk about this. <laughs> we're gonna so throw. will you please set the stage? Because you said in 2012, yes. in the span of four months, dot dot dot. Um, in 2007, I graduated from uh, the University of Notre Dame with an undergraduate degree in theology. I'm that kid. I'm like the weird church kid. <laughs> like that's who it's I. It's fine. Am. You're not and the I'm first to have. Bad. It's mm-hmm. so funny. Like I never started this podcast. You're like, let's have a bunch of people with theology degrees, <laughs> but we keep getting them. So yes. it's fine. Yes. Like my dear friend and uh, former guest, Vanessa Zuleta Goldberg. Yes. Super smart. She's smarter than me. I think Justina um, does too. Yeah, Justina. She and obviously we're going to have Meg Hunter Kilmer on here. We just yeah. haven't yet. Uh, so, yeah, there's so many. Yeah, just chalking it up. Um, so I, You're um, welcome, America. And uh, I took a job in youth ministry outside of Indianapolis, where I still am. And, um, like I was in love with my husband, we were good. Like we had been in a long distance relationship for like three years. So we're finally going to be in the same city. Are you we're high school sweethearts? Married. Cause you said you had a crush on him. Um, no. So we, we started dating in college, but I was like, I was in love with him and I got to tell this story. Cause it's really funny. So the reason I started dating him, I told you I have this huge crush. He came over to my house. Like I was, I, w- I had got my wisdom teeth pulled. So I like the chubby cheeks I'm on Vicodin or whatever I was on. And he came over to my house. I was supposed to have a bunch of people like there to watch Lord of the Rings. It ended up that like, he was the only one who came over when it comes to love. I am not the initiator. I'm just like back here, like 
if I, if I smile at him at the right time, he'll know that I love him and he'll finally see me like that Taylor Swift song, You Belong With Me. That's like, you know, if that was around when I was in high school, that would be my anthem. (laughs) So, so like, but like I'm on drugs, literally, (laughs) literally, literally, and my brain decided that now would be a good time to kiss this boy. <laughs> Do you have the ice packs on your cheeks? No, but I hope she's like the goth. <laughs> so that's how we got together. Wait, he kissed he you with God like your mouth? Push you away? <laughs> Honestly, that's a red flag. I have some questions. <laughs> I mean, I think that means that he was a keeper because he, he loved me in spite of me. Wow. Okay. So that now that I, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I really need to go back to this. So I don't kissed. know if I had gauze in my mouth. I don't know, but I've done this. Was it a French kiss? I don't remember. <laughs> to, to Lord of the Rings, I feel like we let that really <laughs> slip by. Very romantic film. There's nothing more romantic than a little Lord of the Rings and some gauze in your mouth as someone sticks a tongue in it. <laughs> like, ladies, like, oh my God, ladies, so ladies much. listening, single ladies. Are you like, man, I just wish this boy would notice me. Well, invite him over to your house. <laughs> after watch having a little, mouth surgery. After having mouth surgery and that, watch a little Lord of the Rings. Hobbit, <laughs> hobbit, sexy, sexy. <laughs> Hairy feet. Oh my God. Okay. So anyway, so you guys aren't in a long distance relationship. Yep. Anymore. So we've been in a long distance relationship for, for about three years and we're finally getting to like be in the same city. And I remember thinking like, man, it's so easy to date someone in the same city. Cause you know, like, right. Like about a year to a year and a half later, we got engaged, got married and had, um, about 14 months after that had our first baby because hashtag Catholic. Um, and so- <laughs> And so, um, and so, um, I, when our first child was born, I moved out of my full-time youth ministry job because it was just so draining into a part-time job, um, at a different church. And I was like, okay, like I'm settling in. I ended up picking up a couple classes at a local, another parish to do some like teaching just to supplement my income. And I was coaching, um, and right that's about weird. that, seems- I would think people with theology degrees are just super rich and famous so much money. That's how I afford my mansion. <laughs> um, and, uh, and my husband, uh, he was, he was a math teacher and he decided <laughs> that he wanted to go. Yeah. Just rolling in the dough and the fame. Um, and he decided that he wanted to go back to school and get a master's degree, uh, to be an administrator, educational administrator. And so we were like, okay. And, um, you know, we had to take out a couple of student loans, but like it's a master's degree. So it was cheaper and like the school was going to pay for half. And so we're like, we can make this work financially. Like, it'll be fine. We've got our baby. Um, and so I was doing all that and I was like, you know, pretty much living the life I wanted. Like I wanted to be, you know, married to my husband and having babies and like we owned a house and like life was good. And then we had a great Christmas in 2011 and came back. Um, it was his first Christmas. He was about one years old and I came back and in January I was called into my pastor's office and I was like, okay, like as, as we are on occasion when we work in church and he said, 
you know, we, we really appreciate your work. Um, but at this time, our finances, blah, blah, blah. Like it was the speech, right. It's the speech no one wanted to hear. And, you know, it's not you, it's me. It was like the, it's not you, it's me of, of church. Right after right? Christmas. Um, right after Christmas. And I was kind of like, you know, not that we had overspent on Christmas, but I was like, I wouldn't have, you know, done all these things. Um, I would have saved some money and tried to transition as I'm trying to find a new job. And like in, in church, church work kind of revolves around the same schedule as the school year. So like nobody was really hiring. Thankfully I had like the part-time teaching and, and I was coaching. And so like, there were a couple things that were kind of keeping us in balance, but obviously I was, I was disappointed. I was always like, Oh, I love ministry. This is what I want to do. I want to be that person who's like there for 25 years and everybody loves them. (laughs) Right. I love the honesty. Yeah. I mean, like that's who, that's who I wanted to be. Um, And, and so I was like, and it was obviously devastating. I had a a baby at home and I was like, okay, well, like we'll rehash. I'll, I'll figure this out. I'll keep coaching, keep teaching and try to find a new job. Well, about a a couple of weeks after that in February, um, Eric, my husband, his really good friend, his best friend who was uh, in our wedding party was a godfather of our son. Um, His mom went in for a routine surgery and she had a massive heart attack on the table and unexpectedly nobody knew she had heart problems. And it was like a whirlwind of, you know, we were in our early twenties. She was probably in her fifties and it was like a devastating, you know, this is someone he had known since he was two years old. She was a friend to our whole family. Um, and so I remember we actually drove <laughs> to Chicago. So three hours, we drove to Chicago and back in like an eight hour period. So we drove three hours, stayed for like an hour at the wake and drove home. And it was just, it was just horrible. Um, and just walking alongside him as he grieved his mother, he was an only child too. So, so that happened in February. And then one day I'm like driving along. And I remember I was passing the McDonald's, which is right by my current house. And my mom calls and she's like, Hey, I I need to tell you something. Can you like, what are you doing right now? I said, well, I'm driving into it. She said, I want you to pull over. And I'm like, okay. So I pulled into the McDonald's parking lot and I sat there and she said to me, your cousin, Sean, who was 22 at the time, your cousin, Sean is, has died. Uh, and he had died by suicide. Uh, he had taken his own life and right. So, so three things in a row, and it was devastating because I come from a large, very tight knit Irish Catholic family. There's 30 of us cousins. Um, and I think the oldest at the time was maybe in his early thirties. So we had grown up together. We, um, you know, we all loved each other. We were all as, as this, um, my friend, uh, Tulo Portacalis says in, um, my big fat Greek wedding, you know, we were always in each other's lives and business. <laughs> That's our family. <laughs> um, and so, um, even though I wasn't particularly close with him individually, it was, it was absolutely devastating for all of us. And, and I remember thinking, you know, as, as anyone does, who is a, a loved one of someone who commits suicide, what could I have done? 
why did this happen? You know, and, and the grief is so different. It's so different than losing totally. someone, even to an, a sudden death or an illness, mm-hmm. you know, all of these things were compounding. And I'm like, what else? Like there is nothing else. There's nothing worse than this grief. Um, and then about six weeks later, you know, I, I sort of, I got my period, but it was a little late and I was like, okay, like whatever. And then about two weeks after that, I started bleeding again. And I was like, what is this? Um, and so I went to the hospital. I was like, I don't know what's going on. Like, do am I having internal bleeding? You know, I know I'm not pregnant because I just had my period. Well, I actually was pregnant. I mean, I remember them saying like, well, we just kind of have to wait and see and we'll check your numbers again next week and we'll see what happens. And, and I went home, they sent me home and they're like, just rest and take care of yourself. Maybe two days later, I woke up and I was probably in what I would consider the worst pain in my life. Um, and I knew that I was having a miscarriage and I just curled up in a ball. And I remember my husband coming in and he was watching me and he was like, can I, can I do anything? And he had to go to work. And I just said, I'm just going to lay here. And so, uh, by the end of that day, you know, I kind of had known that, that that was the end of the pregnancy. And I went a few days later, uh, to have everything checked out again. And they're like, well, your numbers are decreasing. I'm sorry to tell you that you've had a miscarriage. And, you know, I remember at the time feeling kind of numb and thinking like, well, I didn't really know I was pregnant and like, it's sad, but at least I didn't, you know, go through nine months of this and then lose a child Mm. or whatever. And then about uh, three or four weeks later, I just found myself completely and utterly devastated. Um, Being so sad that I had lost this baby that, you know, I didn't really know what had happened. I didn't have a chance to bury him or her. And, and it was, you know, it was this complete grief, you know, kind of compounding everything that I had been through. And, uh, and it was horrible, you know, it's, it's horrible to lose a child. And, um, and there were a couple of things that happened that kind of made it even worse. And here I was like, I was jobless relatively, um, you know, grieving loved ones. And now, you know, my body had betrayed me Mm. and I kept thinking, what did I do wrong? You know, like, what did I do wrong and why, um, why is it me? Right. We wanted a big family. Uh, well, I did. I don't know if my husband did. <laughs> you know, I wanted like eight kids and he was like two. And so we made it to four <laughs> like we got men in the middle. Um, um, and we had not been, we had kind of like, not really been trying to, to conceive. And so it was kind of like, well, you know, this wasn't perfect, but it was, um, mm. And so as someone who worked in the church, who would like, I've literally gone to church every Sunday my whole life, you know, maybe not when I was sick or whatever. Um, it felt like I had this, like, I'll bring your germs to church people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe put like, obviously COVID changed that, but, um, uh, so, yeah. you know, I've always been a person of faith. I've always acknowledged that God exists, even if I haven't been like, you know, super gung-ho church lady. Um, and I, I'm sorry. I just, 
I want that on a t-shirt. Super gung-ho church Super lady. gung-ho church lady. It has to, it has to be on a cardigan, a cardigan with yes. sensible shoes. Hi, this is my <laughs> friend. She's a super gung-ho church lady. Um, so, um, so I, um, and I remember going to, to Sunday mass at our church the next week and I could not be there. It was like everything I had ever believed, everything I had ever known, everything I had ever wanted in my life was gone in, Mm -hmm. in four months. And I, and I remember thinking like, I have been so faithful to you. I have done everything I gave up. You know, I, I went into this career, I gave up, you know, the money, the fame, whatever it was like, I've, I've done everything for Mm. you, God, and you betrayed me, you know, you betrayed me. And so I, I, um, even as I was teaching and proclaiming like this truth, Mm. I stopped going to church. I just stopped going. I couldn't be there. Um, Mm. and I was so angry, um, and going through that grieving and, you know, felt completely and utterly beaten down. And so, um, but, and I remember we went to visit my sister-in-law, my, um, husband's wife or my my husband's wife. That's me. <laughs> also, we have sister wives on the show. I know. It's like that episode of Bones. You were. <laughs> I was wanted for murder. See, we bring murder up again. The children are a blessing. Aaron so, loves to say that to me. <laughs> so, um, I uh, we went to visit my husband's sister and her and her husband. And we went to mass and I, and I like still in my, like trying to be the perfect church person on the outside. I was like, fine, I'll just go to Sunday mass and pretend like I'm not, I'll just pretend that I'm the perfect person that I've always been. I'll just go. And I remember the, the gospel reading for that day, the reading, I think it was from like, you know, Luke or something like that. Um, it was, it was, um, the story of Jesus raising Jairus's daughter. So if you don't know the story, he, there's this guy who goes to him and says like, Hey, I please come heal my daughter. Um, and Jesus does. It's like kind of how the stories go. Wait, how do you pronounce his name? Jairus. I've always thought it was Jairus. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Come to me for facts about Chicago and the Bible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like probably the, those people speaking Hebrew would be like, that's not right at all. So <laughs> sorry to all my Hebrew speakers out there. Um, but anyway, um, and, and I remember I was standing there in mass trying to put on this false, you know, mask of being like, I I'm perfect. I can do this, whatever with my, you know, year and a half old baby. And and they read that gospel. And in the middle of the pastor's preaching, I just started weeping in church. I just started weeping in church. And I kept saying over and over again, the only thing I could say was like, you saved his daughter. Why didn't you save mine? And I like, and I didn't say it out loud, but it was kind of like, and I hate you for it. Mm-hmm. And I hate you for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, you know, like as time went on and I, and I grappled with that, Um, and I kept kind of having this facade and my husband really challenged me. He was like, are you, are you going to like, what's going to happen? And I don't mean like he wasn't rude about it, but he's like, (laughs) are you going to, are you going to come to mass this Sunday? He would go like without me and I just wouldn't go. And he's like, you know, what, 
what do you need? What do you need? And at some point I realized like, I have to, I have to make a choice here. I can't keep doing the same thing. And so like time healed some of those wounds. Um, and I learned to live with the grief and, and I ended up deciding like, this is real Catholic of me. <laughs> I felt guilty about not going to church. So <laughs> I decided to go to confession. There it is. Um, There's yeah, the Catholic there it is. guilt. <laughs> there it is. Um, and, and like, I never, like I, I say it's guilt, but like, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was wrong. I never felt like I was wrong or sinning to not do it because I was working out my own grief. What I felt wrong about was like pretending like I had it together. Right. Um, and so Can I went say that one more time because oh, sure. I think that's so important. I think that sometimes I remember reading an account of a woman who was abused by a priest and she, as an adult, and she was talking about how she literally couldn't, she's like, I'm my therapist was, and who was Catholic was like, it's too much for you right now. Mm -hmm. It's literally Mm -hmm. too much. And you have to honor that. And I think I just, I, 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 yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I think, right. Like I think that's been a struggle for me. And like, obviously I'm a Catholic who works at a church. So like, you should go to mass on Sunday. If you're Catholic, please do that. But um, <laughs> officially I need to say that, but, um, but yeah, right. I, it was, it was, I was not being true to myself. I was not being true to my relationship with God either. Yeah. I mean, what I felt, what I still regret is that I, is that I tried to fake it, that I tried to pretend because I felt like, um, if I were to publicly admit that I had failings and faults, that I was a sinner, that I was a person who didn't have it all together, then like everyone's faith around me would crumble. And like, wow, I gave myself a lot of power, right? Like I doubt that, right? Like I doubt that everybody's faith. And that's- But, but I think there's something to that. Cause I, I think mm-hmm. that I would, I feel like there's a lot of people that think like that you know, Mm -hmm. and it might not just be faith. I think that's how a lot of quote unquote positive thinkers are, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, got to keep this together. Got to keep this up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's certainly like as a mom, a trap I still fall into on occasion. Mm. It's like, I have it all. I I can do the dishes and 18 million things and record a podcast. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) so I, I just went, I went to confession because I felt like I needed to talk to somebody about it. And I felt like I needed to just be honest for the first time in months. And so I did. And I came to and our pastor who's now retired. I love him dearly. And I went, I like did went in the confessional and all that, like you've seen the movies. That's what it looks like. right? Like It really is what it's like. Um, maybe not exactly what they say, but certainly like watch runaway bride, Julia Roberts yes. left a guy who became a priest. Yes. It's yes. a good little confessional moment. Sorry. Go ahead. It's great. Um, and I, and I remember talking to him and like, I don't, I wasn't really like listing off the sins. I was just, I was just like being honest. I said like, here's what happened. I had a miscarriage. I haven't been to mass. And like, I just, I just feel like I need to like reconcile. Like I need to come back and just tell somebody and to receive God's grace and mercy. He said, Oh, Shannon, I'm so sorry. And he, um, we talked a little bit further. He said, my, my sister had 13 miscarriages and I know how hard it is. And like, right. It was a total moment of, of like, you can't, you can't make this stuff up. Right. Like it was, it was completely God working in my life. Uh, I, you know, of all the priests who could have been hearing confessions of all Mm -hmm. the times of all the, you know, like I just decided to go, it was like, okay, I'm going to, and all the dames and all the bars. Yeah, exactly. Right. 
And, and I remember afterwards I went to my car and I just started weeping and, um, and feeling, and I just started letting it all go. Um, and that's not to say that like my problems were solved overnight or that I, you know, I don't still grieve or that I don't still remember that time. Um, you know, there's so much of just learning to live with the losses that I suffered and of recovering my, um, confidence in my work and all of those things after losing my job, it's not like it was fixed overnight, you know, like it took therapy, it took friends, it took uh, so much. Um, but it was a, it was a turning point, which I realized, you know, that my expectation was that if I checked all the boxes and did all the things right, then it automatically meant success. And, and it, from a faith perspective, it automatically meant that God would give me everything I wanted which is not true, right? It's not true in life in any aspect, right? Just because we work really hard at something doesn't mean we're going to succeed at it just because we do all the right things or act the right way or follow all the rules. It doesn't mean that we're guaranteed anything. Um, but at the same time, I just, I want, sorry, I want to mm-hmm. sit with that for a second because I don't know, Aaron, if that's something you've struggled with, but that is 100% what I struggle with. And I've talked to so many people that grew up in some sort of faith aspect or some sort of, and we've talked about this to the American aspect. I don't mm-hmm. think it's, I obviously because of who settled here and that idea, that notion of like, yeah, it's just like, if I do good, if I, if I follow, if I check all the boxes, then I will get, and just this, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Aaron, were you going to say something? Sort of, but it sounds. No, say it. I think you are uh, kind of indoctrinated into that idea from Mm -hmm. a secular perspective Mm -hmm. in school, right? It's this idea you work hard, you get good grades, you earn things. Um, My learning disabilities, no matter how hard I worked, I I couldn't make those marks. So that belief was squashed in me pretty early. Mm. So Mm. I I never really subscribed to that. And then I think also some of the other things that have happened in my life, I had no illusions that um, the the prosperity gospel of like, you go to church, all that kind Mm. of stuff and Mm. no bad things will happen to you. That was squashed in me pretty early. (laughs) So, I mean, I think that's the gift of getting crushed in a lot of ways. I think that's the gift of getting mm-hmm. crushed early. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. we're all going to, we're all going to get that, that moment, Aaron, we're all going to get hit with that. It just depends on when we get hit with it kind of thing. Yeah. And I think we were talking about this the other day, but it's, it's, it's really evident when you meet people more so in their late twenties and you can tell that they've never had a moment like that. And it's, it's such a, it's tough because you almost like, I mean, at least me personally, when I meet those people, I'm like, I can't relate to you. I can't, I will, I will struggle to find community with you. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like I'll see you in a couple of years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, obviously like my life is very centered around my faith because of what I do, but like, you know, that's true of like, that's why I'm not an athlete. I was I'm actually pretty good athlete, but like, I didn't, it's just it. like, not everybody's going to be Michael Jordan. Right? Yeah. Like, and you can tell I grew up in Chicago in the nineties. Cause guess oh, what that's said? another thing I know. The bulls, the bears, the bears, the bears. So yeah, I, I mean like working through all of that. Um, but what I realized, you know, out of that is that like, 
so many good things in my life came from that moment. Um, my second child, William, who I love dearly. I mean, I love all my children dearly, but he's our, he's our rainbow baby. Um, we wouldn't have had him if, if we didn't, um, have that miscarriage. And so like it, it good came out of things that were terrible. Um, and, you know, like that moment of losing that baby made us really confront, like we were ready to wait, like, you know, 10 years to have our next mm-hmm. baby. We're like, this is overwhelming. And we both, we both looked at each other and we said, like, we don't want to, we don't want to wait anymore. We don't want to put this off and like, wait till everything is perfect and aligned and we have the right funding or whatever. Um, we wanted to, to have more love in our lives and, and to love a child in that way. And, um, and along with that, like it made me a better, um, listener, a a more compassionate person. Um, there have been moments in my life where, um, I have been with people in similar moments. I, you know, the parish where I work now, we had a string of overdoses and suicides, um, all at the same time. And I, I do funeral planning. So sitting with those families is, is just devastating, but because of my own experience, I could listen and walk with them in their own grief in a way I couldn't have as a person who just kind of had like the normal suburban life. <laughs> One story I think of like my sister's friend who was not a church person at all, like probably would have not had the resources outside of like going to a therapist to talk about it. Um, she had a miscarriage and I just happened to be in town. And my sister's like, could you just like sit and talk with her? And we went out for a beer and I just listened. Right. Like, um, as I said, my life is very like faith based, but I think that's a gift that we can all give to each other is that like the thing, the lessons that we learn, they're rooted in our experience, but they don't have to be limited to our sphere. Right. Like they can, um, I That's did the quote, the, making a yeah. note right there. I was like, Houston, <laughs> jot that down. <laughs> I also so, love what you said about you went out with your sister's friend and you just listened. Yeah. I think sometimes I'm guilty of this and I'm learning to be a much better listener. It's not that I haven't been a good listener. It's that I haven't been fully a good listener because I'm ready to interject and save you. And that person's like, I don't want that. Well, you also relate by, by saying like, Hey, I've been through this too, in this way. Mm. And I think there are a lot of people who take that as you trying to make it about you. Yeah. And you're like, mm-hmm. no, I'm trying to mm-hmm. show you that I relate. And like, mm-hmm. I I'm with you in this. Yeah. I'm, I'm sh- like sharing your burden, but it can sound exactly like what you just said. Or that like, you're trying to take it. And I'm like, no, this is, this is my thing. You yeah. Know what I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. I think also it's always, um, helpful when you, the the expectation is we've both gone through something similar. So then you can just listen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I said, I was going to tie it up with a bow, but I can't remember where I was getting. (laughs) Sorry. That was my fault. I interrupted you. No, like I was like, where's the end point? It's okay. This podcast is basically not tying things up in a yes, row. So you're 100% fine. Shannon, if you could tell your 12 year old self anything, it can be about your crushed moment. It can be anything in general. What would you tell her? Yeah. So I, I would say two things first. Um, 
chill out a little bit. I was a real tense 12 year old. Like I was, I was like really passionate, but I was like yelling at people and like getting into not like fights, but I'd like slap someone or whatever. Like this is me. Okay. Like I was, I was, I was heated all the time. I was just constantly on edge. So like take a deep breath don't go off on everyone. Like it's going to be fine. You're like, like you're like a middle-class kid with no problems. It's okay. Not that like I didn't hormones. What are like, hormones? <laughs> shut up. Like, so chill out. Um, and then the second thing I think, um, is that like, I don't, you don't have to be, um, one certain thing, you know, like, I think that's also something I learned from the, mm-hmm. from that moment in my life is like, I had a trajectory of like what I wanted to be and it had to fit into one way. And like the things that I hoped for myself, I wanted to speak. I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to like be able to talk to people about justice issues and all of these things. Um, I got them because I stopped trying to earn them. I stopped trying to make it about um, what I did. And I started to do like to embrace who I was and the things that I loved and to do what I was passionate about, right? Like this book that we are coming out with, like, I, you know, if you would ask me five years ago, would you like to write a book? I'd be like, yeah, sure. Like, that's great. But like, I don't know how to get there. Yeah. Right. Of course. Um, but it's because Marcia and I, you know, we were like, well, we were both former youth ministers and like, we, love to talk about all these like silly things and faith and like culture and whatever. And we noticed that there was a void in, in a Catholic media and especially like there weren't black voices and there weren't black Catholic voices in the wider media. And we're like, you know what, let's start a podcast. And as she's probably said to you, like we, we were building the plane as we were flying. Right? Like we, we were like, we had no idea what we we're doing. We had an iPhone and Skype and we were going to record And so um, all of those are things that came when I simply just embraced living each day and trying to do the best I could each day. I love that the way that life has worked out has been, like I said, like my husband said to me, it hasn't been the dream that I put out there for myself, Mm -hmm. but it's this new dream that's come from exactly what I thought was the worst part of my life. And, um, man, I don't, you don't have to choose. Like you don't have to choose between being a mom and having a career and doing your hobbies and, um, and all of those things. And, maybe it's not where you wanted to be or thought you would be. The greatest thing is that um, it's so much more fulfilling and so much more full because I didn't change who I was and I didn't put on that mask anymore. Mm. I didn't lie about who I was and having it all together. Um, And I still don't. And that's like one of my big things. If you were to ask me like, how do you do all this? I'll be like, because we don't fold our laundry right? like that's like we don't have it together um and I make mistakes but um it's okay to be married to a short Italian man instead of Taylor Hanks <laughs> that's really quote. great I think I think that's also a great note about identity is like 
you don't have to just pick one identity and then Mm -hmm. that's your whole thing. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people also that listen to our podcast, you don't have to fall into a a good Christian or a bad Christian identity, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and that doesn't have to define everything you do in front of that too. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really, a really cool note. And then what was your, what was your crushed song? Yes. Okay. So I think this is super embarrassing and I'm so excited to tell you about it. Hopefully you remember this. You guys remember the song, Jessica Simpson, I want to love you forever. Uh, yes. she? <laughs> like belted out. Oh, I just was listening to her album, maybe like a month and a half ago. Oh my gosh. And I was, I, I can picture where I was. We were right like near our place. And I just remember being like, Jessica. she has some pipes pipes. like who was in your mind when you were oh at the time oh my gosh I had so many crushes in junior high that was about junior high um I was all over the place (laughs) like one day it was one one guy one day it was the next like I was that person also hormones yeah hormones I I like broke up with someone with a note like you know I had no idea, but like, I can't wait I, to have him on the show and I hear his side hurt. of the story. <laughs> I was like in earnest singing that song about somebody, <laughs> but it was a new person every time. Isn't it and, funny? Like at that age, it's really about the feeling a lot of times than it. even the person, right? It's just, I mean, that age, sometimes it's at our age too, but like, mm-hmm. it's just the feeling I want to love you forever. Yeah. But also, actually, see, this is where I'm tying it up with the boat. To go back, another song, this is actually the one that I would sing. For whatever reason, I continually associate the song Drops of Jupiter by Train with my husband and, like, having a huge crush on him and being, like, like you, you are the one. That <laughs> song is everything to me. It's so I'm good. It's so good. Oh, my gosh. There oh, was that- a... Yeah. That song, I don't know why, it always makes me also think of this Goo Goo Dolls song that's way before your guys' time. It's an iris? Um, I, it's the one that yeah. goes, yeah, you bleed just to know your Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I and I was like, yes. <laughs> I remember being a lifeguard and like being a teenager and being like, yes. It's from that that's Disney how movie. You, it's from um, Treasure Planet. Story. It's from Treasure Planet. Oh, I, for me, it's for, for me, it's from par- an episode of Party of Five, I think. Oh, I'm sure it was. But yeah, and I, I was like, oh, that's how you know you're alive. Because yeah. you know when you love someone, when you bleed, you bleed. for them. <laughs> Which like, I mean, if you had to, sure. But like, that's not healthy. <laughs> Do you know what Drops of Jupiter is about? It's a really beautiful. Oh, I love that song. I it's mean, about like, yeah. his mom. That's even better than your high school. I didn't crush. know that. <laughs> it's about his mom, and I'm. I think it's because she passed away from breast cancer, mm-hmm. and so he's saying like all the things that he like associates her with, and what he wishes mm-hmm. for her now that she's like not here on Earth anymore, but he knows she's kind of still around. Oh, gosh, that's amazing! Shannon, thank you so much. <laughs> this is great. I'm just going to go cry in a corner with Jessica and the Goo Goo
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.